What's up, everybody? This is Matt Miller, the lead NFL draft writer, analyst, podcast host for Bleacher Report. Welcome to Stick to Football, episode number 29, joined, as always, by my good friend, my personal ass kicker of the month, Connor <laughs> Rogers. Man, thanks. I like that I'm somebody's ass kicker. I appreciate yeah. that. What's going on, buddy? It's good to have you in New York, and we're going to have you in New York next week, too. Am I right? Yeah, you're, you're stuck with me, which Let's is go. why I, I was telling my driver this morning, Ooh, that's Love that. Bad. Love oh. that. <laughs> Matt yeah. is on that level now. We got him on NFL Network before the draft last year, and now he's throwing around things like my driver. So I was telling the my friend this morning in the car that he was driving that uh, <laughs> I, my voice, as you guys could probably hear, sounds awful. And I know you're thinking if you're a weekly listener, like, dude, you were just sick. But I went from 90 degrees in Dallas to like 60 at home to like 70 here, and I'm just... I'm and over it. You've been on planes. I, I've been on planes yeah, so last you. week, too, and I just think if you want to get sick, go on a plane. Yeah. It's the quickest way. Even sitting up front where I do. I you know. know. Yeah. Segregated Let's keep this going. Mr. First else. Class over here, my driver, sitting up front. I love yeah. it. Matt, you've officially made it. it. Your muscles probably fight off colds. I don't have that. No, I don't know about that. I'm I was feeling to... pretty run down. But I'm, I got a lot to say today, and I know you do too. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to, always, as always, take you around the league, what happened in the NFL this weekend. We got Leonard Fournette coming on in this show today, which is going to be a lot of fun. Kind of a big name. Kind of a big deal. Kind of having a good rookie season. Was kind of a good college football player as well. And kind of the best running back from last year's draft class, no matter who overthought it. Uh, We're going to fix the New York Giants. We've been fixing teams over the last couple weeks. We've done the Niners. We've done the Browns. The New York Giants, if you saw them play this weekend, they need our help. And uh, guess what? It might not be Jerry Reese that needs to listen to how to figure that out because it might be somebody new at the rate they're going. And to close it out, of course, we're going to do draft on draft. We're going to bring on our intern, Kennedy, and answer all your questions. Yeah, it's a good rundown, man. It, it, it was, and also, it was a just a fun weekend of college football. We got to see Saquon Barkley, who is just a god among men right now, go off against uh, Michigan, a team that allegedly had a good run defense before this week. So we thought. and I don't think they do. It feels like each weekend, and I'm glad you know when it's primetime, when Penn State plays on primetime, it's what is Saquon Barkley going to do next? And didn't it feel like that with Leonard Fournette over the last two years and Ezekiel Elliott yeah. you know, two-plus years ago? Yeah, and I never got that feeling from guys like Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara or uh, Christian McCaffrey you did to some extent, but those big-time running backs, I know you and I have talked about it before, on and off the show that sometimes we overthink this shit and these guys are actually just great prospects and it's there's no argument for it. It's just like, okay, I to me, Saquon Bar- Barkley is the best player in college football. He should win the Heisman. He is the best uh, draft prospect for next year. I, I know a lot of people will overthink it. I mean, we saw it all summer with people telling us Darius Geis was the best running back. Darius Geis is a very good running back. He is. There's a difference between... Uh, he and Saquon Barkley. I think a lot of it comes down to what Barkley brings in the passing game, uh, in pass pro and as a receiver, as a kick returner, as a quarterback. I mean, he's he reminds me of you know in the movie Friday Night Lights where the uncle's trying to like tell him to put booby in. Yeah, and he, and he's like he could throw it, he could he run could it, paint the back porch, right. the whole That's thing. Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah, no, it's exactly right. And I think what's so great about Saquon Barkley is because I know this is something that probably drives you nuts. Is you're so used to fans saying why is you know my great college football player on my favorite team not going to be great in the NFL and with Barkley it's both yeah yeah and then on the other hand you have his quarterback Trace McSorley who is so bad 
but wins games. So I get Penn State fans in my mentions being like, oh, you were, you're so wrong about this. Like, dude, if Trace McSorley plays in the NFL, he's going to be selling real estate. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you what, this uh, the Trace McSorley thing reminds me of my favorite play of the game. was not one where Barkley touched the ball. They showed the end zone, the, bat, the rear view, when he faked the handoff left to Barkley. Oh, God. And all four linebackers in the defensive <laughs> line followed him, and McSorley could have walked to the right into the end zone. He yeah. sprinted, and then Mike Gusecki, I think that was the same one, he yeah. jumped over him and almost broke his quarterback's neck. But it just shows goes to show you that Saquon Barkley changes the way defenses have to game plan and yep. they have to play and when you're that kind of focal point it makes everybody around you that much better and yeah I mean it segues perfectly to, to our guest is this week Leonard Fournette because he's doing the same thing in Jacksonville making Blake Bortles life easier Fournette was out this week with an ankle injury and we saw Blake Bortles have to throw the ball and they were still able to win because the defense got you know 10 sacks and and the Colts are so so bad right now but that argument of you don't draft a running back early I think we're seeing that change because of guys like Zeke and Fournette who have changed offenses in the NFL. And especially if you have a quarterback, either a young quarterback or a quarterback who isn't very good, a great running back can make their their life so much easier. So we'll see if if either of us have Saquon going to the Giants when we get to that segment. Uh, Let's talk about quarterbacks because I know a lot of Giants fans have been tweeting me asking, hey, are we going to draft a quarterback? The Giants would have the third pick in the draft if it were today uh, because of that one win. So... Looking at the quarterbacks, there has been a lot of talk that Sam Darnold might go back to school. And it's something that I get asked about almost daily on Twitter. And it's, it oddly enough, what we were talking right before we went on, on the show today, will Sam Darnold go back to USC? I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know if you've heard anything. It's interesting because over summer, there was the rumors that, hey, this is a, you know, a guy that wants to stay in school. And he wants to, he has that type of mentality. I always say be careful reading into those because we heard the same thing with Mitch Trubisky last year. And when you get your advisory grade back that's round one and you basically are told you're a top five, top ten lock, you have to make a business decision whether you want to risk your body for free, essentially, injuries in college level one more year, or do you want to go get your guaranteed money as a top ten pick in the NFL? I will say this as candidly as I possibly can. There is no fucking way I would play for T. Martin for another year. And that's exactly right. That this is What you just said is the one thing that every single person, it seems like, is overlooking. Sam Darnold going back to school isn't necessarily a good thing for his development as a quarterback. USC has done nothing this year to help him. It feels like they run the same three designs all the time. They're just doing nothing to him. And he's had his own problems, ball security problems. I I think his arm is just very average, but he's a better player or a better prospect than what we've seen in recent weeks. And I just think it's one of those situations where you look at it like a Pat Mahomes. Now, Pat Mahomes obviously played a little more simpler offense against easier defenses. But him going to the NFL actually rapidly sped up his development because he's sitting behind Alex Smith and learning from Andy Andy Reid. Yeah. So a team that takes Sam Darnold hopefully doesn't throw him into the fire next year or at least sets him up for more success. Yeah, I think a team like San Francisco would be great. I agree. Uh, because, yeah, and he would probably be the day one starter, but I think that system would be good for him. I think with the Chargers, he could sit behind Phillip Rivers for a year or two and acclimate and learn. But like you said, his arm strength is above average, I guess. Is it average? as good as Teddy's? I know Teddy, that was a question with Teddy. I think so. I think that it's very similar, right? And I, my biggest question with Darnold would be, if you clean up the mechanics, how much stronger does the arm get? That's fair. That's an interesting point. And 
I mean, he's still really young. Yeah, he's like 20, 21 years 20 old. 20 years old. So when you look at it, they're going to get stronger. That's the case with this year's entire quarterback class, though. People are missing the forest for the trees, and it's it's hard to be on Twitter on Saturdays. It's hard to be on Twitter on Monday mornings when we're recording this because my I need to close the app. I actually did that Saturday night, and it was it was very refreshing. I either need to close the app or start drinking more, and I, I think the answer is going to be to close the app. Yeah, it's not the worst idea. And, you know, back to the quarterbacks – just to you know, finish that up on guys getting stronger. These are all young players. You know, I think Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. Those, I think, all of them are twenty years old. The only older one is Baker Mayfield. He's probably what twenty three. Yeah, because of the you know he transfers year away and he football. stayed as a yeah. senior, and and that's why he looks the most pro ready out of all of them. No matter what yeah. his size is, he takes care of the football. Yep. It's really interesting. I going back to the Niners. You said something interesting that I wanted to touch on. If you're the Niners and say you are, you do finish with the second overall pick. Say the Browns are the only team that finishes worse than you. You know you're going to have a chance to get one of these quarterbacks. Is it there a chance they get outbid for Kirk Cousins and just say we'll just draft one? Yeah. Are, are people overlooking yeah. that a little bit now? Definitely. I mean, if you're Jacksonville, and, and there's not the there's not the personal connection there, you know, for a team like Jacksonville. But if you're Jacksonville and you like, listen, you've seen what Blake Bortles can do for you, and you know you need something better. Yeah, you could definitely, you know, or there's so many teams. I mean, we so could see an unexpected quarterback retirement and all of a sudden the Chargers are in on Kirk Cousins. Or, But I, I think there are a lot of different possibilities we have to consider. The most likely is that he does go to San Francisco because of the, I mean, they're going to have $100 million to spend a cap. And then there's the connection to Kyle Shanahan. So unless, like, your New York Jets, who are going to have, like, what, $80 million to yeah, spend? Yeah, $80 million. I would actually love that for so many reasons because he his personality matches up with like this young defense that's so cocky and confident. People don't know that about Kirk. Like that he is just a maybe they do because they like that video. That was when it all came out. He is. I mean, he's a, a cocky, confident guy. So uh, that is something to consider. And and I mean, when I talk to people in San Francisco about you know what is the off season going to look like, that's something I've heard is well, it all depends on if we get the quarterback. And by that, they mean Kirk Cousins. If they get him, well, then you could probably be aggressive and trade back a spot or two and try to get Saquon Barkley. Um, you, your whole free agency plan looks different because if you get Kirk Cousins, you you want to get a certain type of receiver to help him out. So it's you know it's a domino effect. And, and that's why free agency happens first. A lot of people have always said the draft should be first. Teams want it this way so that they can say, this is our, our free agency plan. Here's how we're going to you know stack the board, go after and get some of these guys. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting just looking at all of that. And as you were, you know, we had a pause there as I was saying that. I was looking at Tyrod Taylor's situation as well, trying to figure yep. out. We talk so much about Kirk Cousins, and we forget that, you know, this free agent quarterback class might be the most interesting one we've seen in years because maybe Alex Smith hits the market, whether it's via trade or whether it's Ryan Tannehill. Maybe Ryan Tannehill. Maybe your boy Teddy Bridgewater hits the market. I think a lot of people are forget they didn't if pick the, up his option. If the 49ers can't get Kirk Cousins, they should get Teddy Bridgewater. Be perfect with Kyle yeah. Shanahan, it feels and like. And his situation is weird because maybe this year will count against his contract, maybe it won't. So and and that's something we'll have to dig into when it it becomes time to fix the Vikings, but yeah, his free agency status is kind of up in the air, but it sounds like he's going to get back on the field this year. So it'll be and, and that's good because not only does Minnesota need to see where he's at, but so does the rest of the NFL because he could be a free agent or possibly had via a trade, and you know that's going to open up a lot of doors. So uh, let's pivot and talk about LSU because we have to. Holy <laughs> shit! 
uh, I, I talked to uh, a, a good source. I, I know I said last week I have a, a really good LSU source, and I talked to him last week, and they said, you know, we feel like Geis is getting close. Like, he's he's getting close. He wants to get on the field. He's been on the field. You know, he's, he's a hard guy to keep out of there. And and when he comes back, he he's going to be an animal. And we saw it on Saturday. He was unstoppable. Yeah, he had a Leonard Fournette game against Ole Miss. Really did. That's exactly what he had. Yeah. And, and on the other side of the ball, we finally saw the real Arden Key. We've been waiting for so long to see Arden Key do yeah. this. And, you know, multiple pressures, two sacks, a forced fumble. He's just – that game shows you how fast he is around the edge and turning the corner. And he's in shape. That's yeah, what's big. You know, because he, yeah. he stepped away from the team for a little bit, came back, hurt his shoulder, had to have surgery. And, you know, he was he was like 235 pounds last year. So he tried bulking up. I think he got a little heavy. Well, now he's back in football shape. And that's something that a lot of people kind of shit on him early because – uh, he wasn't he wasn't well conditioned, but it, this is college. These kids have a limited amount of time that they can spend working out, training, training back in shape. It's not the NFL, so it takes some time. It took a few games, but man, if everything checks out with him, like off the field with the shoulder, he could be a top five pick. Yeah, because I, he's just rare. Exactly. He like you look at Harold Landry and you look at Hercules Mataafa on Washington State. You Bradley Chubb. You look yeah. at these this pass rushing class, and there's some really good players out there. But when you look at Arden Key, and he has his flaws. He struggled against the run. Like Matt said, it, it took him a while to get back into shape. And, you know, people that have never had a surgery, I think they don't understand what it's like coming back from one. It takes so, yeah. so long. I mean, I've had one in my life, and I, it amazes me how quick, how much quicker pro athletes come back from surgeries. Same. Yeah, I, I mean, I had my shoulder, my I tore my labrum completely, and I was in my late 20s, and it, it took months. Exactly. So you, you look that. at Arden Key who had shoulder surgery, it takes a little while, but he shows he shows you why as a pass rusher why he could find his way into the top 10 because there's just special traits there. And it's a premier position. It's a a, a need position. Guys are always going to get elevated if they play quarterback, left tackle or pass rusher. That's just the nature of the business. So, and in a year that there's not like a great defensive tackle, maybe Christian Wilkins is a top 10 or 15 pick, but I would look at guys like Arden Key, Bradley Chubb, Harold Landry as as guys who could be top ten picks. If you know, we're probably going to see three quarterbacks go in the top ten. We're probably going to see Saquon Barkley go in the top ten. Maybe there's Quentin, room. Quentin Nelson might find his way in there, which Con- is crazy yeah. for interior offensive line. But he's that good. He's that good. Connor Williams at Texas has yep. a, a very good shot to be a top ten or fifteen pick. And then there's a lot of pass rushers that are going to slot into those places. So yeah, I mean, great win for for LSU over Ole Miss, and you know, a big reason for that with those two guys who I, I would think are locks to be first rounders. Yep. And now, while, you know, while LSU has such an impressive secondary, there's a corner that is not in the SEC that you want to talk about who might be the surprise best corner in this class. Really might be. Uh, it's Holton Hill at Texas, number 5, 6'3", 200 pounds, probably going to run in the four fives. Now, who does that remind you of? Just Richard, Richard Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the few guys with that size. And they play similarly in that Hill is a great defender against the run. So I've, I've had the chance to watch him live this year. Really got a chance to study him uh, Saturday in that game against Oklahoma State. Matching up with James Washington, he shut James Washington down. And and, and he might be the best receiver in college. Uh, so his ability to do that, he could play press man. This is a defense they ran. They ran strict uh, cover two man on Saturday against Oklahoma State and probably gave Mason Rudolph the toughest test he's had all year. They held him to you know like thir- 13 points, I think it was, and that was in overtime. So when you look at Holton Hill, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're a Texas homer. 
Yes, I am. <laughs> I love but the I'm also usually very critical of Texas players because I, I know them so well and I've followed them for so long. Holton might be the guy who's different, and I've heard that there's a great chance he does come out this year. Nice. Well, it'll be really interesting because this corner class needs somebody to break yeah, out and say, right? I'm the guy. Because all the guys we talked about over summer just haven't really done it on a week-to-week basis yet. So that's right. the type of class where you might get a guy like Holton Hill that we didn't talk about that much over the summer, and now we're saying, well, he has the part, the yeah. makeup of an NFL corner. And you know, switching to the other side of things, we're going to do our college players to know. And yep. you have somebody that wasn't necessarily shut down. No, he was on the other side of the yes. field. So, <laughs> Marcel Aitman, the wide receiver for, for Oklahoma State. Yeah, he was on the other side. Chris Boyd was matched up with him. And Aitman had a great day. And and he was someone, I remember watching um, the UCLA game. I, or no, I'm sorry, it was the Memphis game when he really went off. And just watching, you know, his ability uh, with his size, you know, he's 6'4", about 215. And he is able to just post up on people and out-jump guys. So he's a, a redshirt senior. I'm confident we'll get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl this year. But, you know, he, he had an injury in 2016 that really slowed him down. But the way he's played this year uh, has just been been tremendous. I mean, we've talked a lot about the receiver class has depth. No one has really emerged yet as the, the true number one guy, you know, where we're like, oh, okay, well, this guy, you know, looks like he's going to be the, the stud. Aitman is on a tear right now to where you really can't overlook what he's doing. I'd really like to see him at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. You know, 6'4", 220, big receiver. He's eligible to go to the Senior Bowl. It'd be really nice to see him there because, once again, this is a receiver class that you, you'd like to see another guy break out from the pack that's just so close right now. And another player I would really like to see at the Senior Bowl, my college player I know this week, is a former Texas guy in Desmond Harrison who is now at West Georgia, the offensive yeah. tackle. He's a name that we don't hear about a lot because he's at West Georgia right now, which is averaging well over 200 rushing yards per game. He is an NFL-caliber offensive lineman, and you're going to start hearing this name more and more often as we get to workouts, as we get hopefully he gets invited to the senior bowl. He seems like a guy that would be. And it's just going to be interesting because this offensive line class, we've heard some you know, some good players on the interior. And, you know, Obviously, we talked about Quentin Nelson, talked about uh, the guard from UTEP, last week on our college player to know but when you look at Harrison it's another guy that you're saying okay well this is a true tackle a 6-7 serious lane very good athlete and a very good athlete and it'll just be very fascinating to see where he stacks up after a kind of funky college career you know really highly rated Juco prospect didn't finish his career at Texas now finishing at West Georgia and playing very well so those are two seniors. We're, we're kind of running through a senior class. We don't get to talk about the senior class a lot until the college player no segment. So we got you two this week for college player no. Yeah, Harrison will be one. I want to see him at the senior bowl. I really want to talk to him. He was one of those guys that Charlie Strong kicked off the team when he took over as head coach to Texas. So, like, hey, man, what have you been doing? Like, what, you know, what happened? Um, and, and just see where he's at in terms of his development. So very interesting guy. That's a, a good name to throw out there for people. Um, what do you say we take a quick break, come back, we'll fix the New York Giants, and then talk to our buddy Leonard Fournette? I love it. Let's do it. Welcome back to episode 29 of Stick to Football. It is time to do the impossible for the third week in a row. We are going to fix the New York Giants after we have spent the last two weeks fixing the Browns. Fixing the Niners, which wasn't as bad because they have the blueprint laid yeah. out for the future of those guys. And we like their coaches, so it's okay. We, yeah, and the front office. I don't know about this one. I know what we want to do, Yeah, but man, 
this is so interesting to me because what if we get the same old stubborn giants and they don't fire everyone? Well, I think that's the where we can make believe and say, okay, the Myra family just called us and we're running the team now. Yeah, which and we they can should, fire everybody. They can do that if they want. Here's the thing about the Giants' job. I know they're bad this year. In all my time in this job covering the draft, I've always heard that the Giants' job is one of those like legacy NFL spots. So if it ever came open, like legit people would want this job. Like Josh McDaniels would want this job as a head coach. Maybe like, Eric DaCosta finally Eric DaCosta, leaves Baltimore. Nick Casario maybe finally leaves uh, New England. Like the, if the Giants' job comes open, whether it's head coach or GM. People want it, and it's because of the stability. It's because the market, the owners are fantastic to work for. So that it's it's definitely one of those spots that if if you know you and I were handed this job as GMs tomorrow, we would have a lot of very good head coaches to pick from. And I wouldn't say no if they came calling. Hell no, <laughs> so, no. I would give them a discount over what they would have paid someone else, not of what we're making now. But let's get the uh, the elephant in the room off the top that every Giants say. fan wants to know. Is Davis Webb the quarterback of the future? I think you got to see. And I, I, we have a lot of Giants fans in the office. They were asking me this last night. And I said, you know, you at some point you got to see who he is. And I don't – I liked Davis Webb. I didn't see him as a quarterback of the future kind of guy coming out of Cal. But you did spend a third-round pick on him, or the last regime did if we're taking over. So I think you, you – it's hard to answer that question not being in that building every day. But if you have a top three pick, that doesn't matter. If you have a top three pick, you got to draft a quarterback. Yeah, and he's been Hackenberged this year. Oh yeah, you know they're not he's inactive. They're red shirting him. So like, any we didn't even see a ton of them in the summer. So no, which I don't, I don't hate that. I think it's good to do that for players that need the time. But on the flip side, it also has completely negated any chance of him proving, hey, I could be the guy next year. If this Giants team is as bad as they have looked this far along, the one win New York Giants, yeah. They're going to be in position to pick a quarterback next year. That's my thought. And, you know, we, we talked earlier in the show about Sam Darnold's arm maybe not being the greatest fit for New York. Josh Rosen is such a good fit for New York, but the Giants are going to have competition because the Browns at one, the Niners at two. And then, if like we were saying earlier, if the Niners get a Kirk Cousins or Teddy Bridgewater or whatever, they might be willing to trade out to a team like the Jets. So there are so many different ways that it could go to where the Giants – if they're picking at three, you might be taking someone like Josh Allen and, and hoping he can sit behind Eli Manning for a year or two. But Eli's not any good anymore. So no, he's just not good at all. So, you know, here's how I look at it. The the key needs for the Giants, you need to invest in the offensive line and invest in the linebacker position. Two areas where the current general manager, Jerry Reese, has, he does not want to do it. And it's crazy because I think he's a very good evaluator of defensive line talent and receiver talent and nothing else. So I would start with, let's say the Giants have the third pick in the draft, and it, it's, you know, Rose and a Darnold are gone. I'm looking very hard at Connor Williams from Texas. As a true left tackle, get Eric Flowers the hell off the field. I don't know if there's, I don't, there can't be a worse left tackle in football right now. That was penciled in to start from week one, no shot. Yeah. He's got to be the worst. That They went into the season and said, yeah, this will work. And I joke a lot about all the misses I've had. This is a guy at a third round grade on that they drafted in the who top wanted to, ten. Who wanted to fight you? I think he because still you're does right. want to because fight you're me. right. Yeah, well, I try to stay on this side of the river when I'm up here, <laughs> so I stay away from him. That's smart. But I, I do think investing in the offensive line, and you obviously can't spend every pick on offensive line because you need help in other areas. The bad news is, I was looking at the upcoming free agency class. It's not good on the O line, so it's not like you could just spend money and fix it like the Rams did last year with Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan. And you already have a pretty good guard in Roger Saffold. 
you can't do that this year unless there's some unexpected cuts because the talent is just not out there in free agency. No, it's not. I, I don't really know where they look in free agency to get a guy to, to kind of hold the fort. I mean, you know, it, it looks like Nate Solder is going to be a free agent. New England kind of seems to know how to lock those guys up, at least on two-year kind of Band-Aid deals. He was the first one I thought of that maybe could be like a quick fix yeah, you know, and that gets guy. that gets you from awful to maybe mediocre, in my opinion. I, I don't really yeah. – I mean, look at how quickly Brady gets the ball out, and Solder is still just struggles. He's been okay. It's not that he's a bad player. And that's a, a major complaint of Ben McAdoo's offense is the ball doesn't come out very fast. Exactly. So. I, I like the Connor Williams plan. I, I think it's interesting to see, hey, if you can't get your quarterback, go fix what's just been a problem for so long. Now, here's the other kicker. If they – Miss on Williams, say he goes even before them. The Giants seem like the type of win that could string out. They could type of team that could string out a couple wins down the stretch. Do you just do what the Cowboys did and just start taking O line pieces no matter where they play, like a Quentin Nelson, or do you just need to say, hey, we got to find a a tackle that could start no matter what? No, I think the whole offensive line needs built. You know, I like Weston Rickberg at center, but the other pieces, I you know, Justin Pugh's getting older. I, I don't see. I think he's a little. He's a, yeah, and yeah. he's just he's not the type of piece Quentin Nelson is too. That's no. the thing. And even mean, if you play them together, it's great. Yeah, there's no way I would take a guard at three. No, yeah, no way. So that would be a situation if they win, you know, five or six games down the stretch, which is possible, and you're outside of the top five. It's just so hard when you have needs at other positions because they have. And the second thing on my list here is they have needs at linebacker. And Jerry Reese will not draft linebackers. And there's, I, I know like Devin Kennard's playing okay. Keenan Robinson's solidish. They're both free agents, so you have to make some decisions there. I, I think Devin Kennard is someone you would lock up as a strong side linebacker. The weak side spot, I would. I, I know they don't have a ton of money this year, but if you can get Telvin Smith, who is set to be a free agent in Jacksonville, he's someone who. I know he's not like great against the run, but he's so good in coverage, and he's so versatile, and I, I do think that's what they're missing right now. And if you put that kind of speed that Telvin Smith has behind Snacks Harrison, yeah, behind uh, Alabama, oh my God, I was I, how am I forgetting his name? It's Damon Harrison, yeah. Uh, well, Snacks no. Harrison, but then Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah. So there you got go. such a uh, you know beefed up defensive, yeah. you know interior defensive line that you let the speedy linebacker like Telvin Smith run behind. Then you look at some depth options that maybe can play next to him if you don't lock up Kennard. Maybe you go get a guy like Demario Davis that has kind of revived his career in New York again with the Jets and doesn't cost yeah. that much. If you're cap strapped, you go get a, you need somebody that can start at linebacker every single week and give you productivity. They have it feels like they just haven't had that kind of guy no. in so long, and they just don't value it. They don't, and they will after this year when somebody else is in there running it. Yeah, I mean, so you, let's say you win. Five, six games, you know, because I, I do still think that's possible that they could string some wins together. Maybe Malik Jefferson at Texas is someone you consider. I'm a little down on this linebacker class overall. Uh, Rashawn Evans at, at Alabama looks like he could get into the top 20 conversation. I'm a little out on Jerome Baker at Ohio State. It's very small. Very small, a little soft. And that's probably the one thing that I will knock a linebacker for. If I don't see you taking sharp angles to the ball, it's real hard for me to, to endorse you as a player. So... I think linebacker is something they need, but you might be able to come around in the second round and get someone like a TJ Edwards from Wisconsin or Cameron Smith from USC and address it that way if you can go O-line first round. And a lot of people are going to ask us, what about Saquon Barkley? We both love Saquon Barkley. I do like Wayne Gallman and Paul Perkins enough as like competing you know, dual threats back there. 
Well, he, Saquon, Saquon's just so special. He's game-changing, and that's why Giants fans want to know, hey, if we don't get a quarterback, is it Saquon? And I'm not going to say no. No, yeah, you wouldn't say I, no. But I'll say this as an alternative. If you don't get Saquon or Geis in the first round because the Giants feel they need better positional value elsewhere, offensive tackle, like you said, yeah, you can find a committee piece on day two to play with Perkins and Gallman and Darkwa. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ronald Jones at USC would give you amazing speed, something that they really lack Yeah, right maybe now. Rashad Penny. There's yeah. so many different names that we go down the list, and you don't have to take one in the first round, even though guys like Barkley and Geis can really change your offense. I do think the Giants at some point need to commit to you know fixing the a offensive. running back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do need to com- – you're right. They do need to commit to a running back. But look at all the franchise guys that have gone on day two. I mean, look at all the guys in the league right now that were day two, day three picks that are franchise running backs, whether it's Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. The list goes on yeah. and on and on. You can find those guys. You need the evaluators to do it. So we got got the quarterback situation. It's a little up in the air with the Giants, but it really is. we're breaking it down to you where if they don't get one of the top guys, they could fix the offensive line, how to go after linebacker, how to go at running back. If there was one trade you can make with this team, all bets are... It's going to be crazy. I, that's why we do this. What I, would you, trade I'm trading would you Odell Beckham. Wow. I don't think he'll re-sign with them. I, I think he needs a fresh start. And you could get a first round pick for him. I mean, I think he's At one of the. Least. I think he's one of the best players in the entire NFL. So I do think the value would be. I think you can get a high end number one and probably a two and a four. I would trade him, just because my. I love him. I do. I really think he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's a, a game changing player. I I have heard often that him resigning with them is not a sure thing. That there are some relationships there that are are burned a little bit. And that it, it kind of goes both ways. So wow. I would get rid of him while I could. That is fascinating. And I love that. That's why we do the one trade you would make. And Matt, Matt, didn't, Matt didn't let down <laughs> the people because you're going the old school way. The Giants, I feel like, are a team that always turns it around so quickly. I mean, whether it's yeah. like they spend a ton of money in free agency, they have a good draft. With this new regime coming in, which is us, you're sitting back and saying, hey, let's give ourselves some time here. Let's rebuild. And you're getting more assets. You're trading your best player. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Evan Ingram looks like a legitimate piece in the passing offense. I mean, Sterling Shepard does too. Yeah, of course. So you can, I'm not saying you, there's no one that can replace Odell Beckham. But what you're saying is you're trying to build an entire team for the right. future. And that's going to take a year or two. And he also is going to want to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Yeah. At and receiver. Somebody might do it. Not I don't me. No. <laughs> Somebody might do yeah, it. But it won't be this guy. So, I mean, he's up. He'll be a free agent after the 2018 season. I, I'm just saying, I would try it. Well, I think your point's so interesting because people are going to say, like, fans attached to Beckham. I get it. I love him. And I'm a Jets fan. I yeah. love Odell Beckham. But what Matt is saying is, if there's r- serious risk that he might leave, you get value now. And I also worry about a guy who is is a great player but is constantly hurt. Like, I mean, at what point does that add up? And receivers, I've done studies on this. By the time they hit their late 20s, they really start to slow down. If you had injuries to that, it, it just speeds that up even more. And he is someone who has been hurt pretty much every year that he's been in the NFL. So, and I, listen, I'm not trying to shit on Odell because I do love him. Um, you know, have had a great relationship with him since LSU. I think he's a great player. But if I'm having to rebuild the Giants, that's where I would start is by selling off some pieces to get the draft capital to turn this team over because like we just said you have so many areas of need 
Man, uh, Niners sign Kirk Cousins, trade for trade Odell, for Beckham. Odell Beckham. Let's done. have some fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dra- draft Saquon Barkley. Call, call the Jets. Hey, you guys want oh, Odell man. Beckham? They got the cap He wouldn't space. even have to move. No, he wouldn't. He would probably just need a quarterback at some point. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, he's made Eli look okay. So that's, that's a good point. All right, so we did it. We fixed the Giants. I feel pretty we good. We traded about the it. best player, but yeah, we. Yeah. we <laughs> <fixed> <laughs> yeah. Everyone hates us. Every Giants fan thinks we're idiots. No, it, it, I mean the fixing segment is a lot of fun because we're having you know so much work to do early on with this because these are teams that just need master rebuilds. Yeah, they the really do. So. And it's and the Giants are unique in, in of the three teams we've done because you are looking at okay we have to transition you know we have to go away from Eli Manning and what we were for you know, fifteen years to now let's be something else and I would build on a front four that's fantastic Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins in the secondary Eli Apple has some up and down games I think he's still a solid number two or number three corner that's the identity of this team moving forward in my opinion yeah and and you can find yourself in a situation you know that Mark Sanchez did early on his career where you get a rookie who's playing with a great defense and maybe develop a running game so that should be the Giants plan moving forward be interesting to see if they make it happen yes all right well, a guy that is changing his team right away. We're going to have him on right after this. So we'll bring it on Leonard Fournette. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. We're joined today by Jacksonville Jaguars rookie running back Leonard Fournette, who has taken over the NFL. And before we get to, to that and to your LSU career, uh, let's pay the bills. You're joining us today uh, because the metrics guys. What do you? What's your partnership with them that you have going on? Well, I'm part of a metric is great, man. Uh, we're focusing on taking training to the next level and also preparing for what's next. You know, I made it from college and now to the NFL. Like, what's next? You know, what, what's the expectations for me? So, I think uh, my partnership has done a great job of getting the job done, and I, and I love it. Leonard, I think one of the most memorable plays of this young NFL season has been when you waved down Steelers' uh, Mike Mitchell mid-run, basically saying, come get me. What went through your head on that play? Uh, nothing really, man. I mean, we, we was competing throughout the whole game, man, uh, going back and forth, and uh, finally got a chance to get my one-on-one, and uh, we went at it, man. It was a great feeling. You know, that guy made me better that game, and uh, it was the best. Now, when you were at LSU, I mean, you – Really, from the minute you signed there, you were thought of as like, you know, kind of a legend, a guy who's going to put the program on your back. Now you see someone like Darius Geis, uh, who's playing exceptionally well this year now that he's healthy. Have you watched him this year or, you know, during your time together when you were looking at him? Like, is he like the little brother to you? Like, do you see him and think, okay, man, this guy could be special too? Yes, most definitely, man. Darius always always been special. I mean, since his first year coming in LSU as a freshman, and I've seen it in him, and uh, now it's just his time, you know. And, uh, I mean, everybody has that moment when they're going to surprise somebody. And uh, hopefully, man, I hope he surprises me, man. He's doing a great job of, of rolling down the running back university at LSU. And uh, he's up next. So we want to get our fans involved here. And one fan, Sam Robinson, at, wants to ask you, what has been the most challenging aspect of playing at the NFL compared to your career at LSU? The biggest thing with the jump to the NFL? It's not, it's not really a challenge, man. I'll say it's playing against all the guys who have – more knowledge than you and understand the, the scheme of the game and stuff like that. So uh, it's not, it's not, it's not, it hasn't really been no uh, big challenge though. So a lot of guys come out of, you know, you hear these Alabama guys all the time where people come out of the SEC and they're like, oh, 
NFL is not that much harder than college. Is the level of competition that much different for you? Or because, I mean, even at LSU, that defense that you played against in practice is full of NFL guys every every day. Uh, I think it, it, it's the same, you know, uh, especially when uh, you're going against a lot of the great guys who play in, in the SEC. You know, uh, I think I think it's the same thing. You know, it's not really hard for me to, to transition over from college to the NFL because a lot of the, the main guys who are big names in the NFL play for big, uh, big colleges. And I think it's kind of the same thing. So you've been a giant part of this Jacksonville Jaguars turnaround, you know, leading them to a 4-3 and three record now. Who's been the biggest mentor, whether it's on the team or on the coaching staff for you in your young NFL career? Almost definitely, man. It's been Khalid and also my running back coach, Tyron Wheatley. You know, both guys, Coach uh, Tyron Wheatley played in the NFL for 10 years. And uh, just giving me his experience about, you know, the Ricky Wall I'm going to hit and stuff like that. And Khalid, who's uh, still been in the league in 10, 11 years and still plays. And also, who's next to me in the locker, he's doing a great job. Uh, mentoring me, you know, about the things I want to go through and continue to go through. So what kind of goals did you set for yourself? I know, like, I mean, we said at the beginning of the show and even when we introduced you, you have, I mean, there was no acclimation time. Like, you hit the ground running in the NFL. And, you know, unfortunately, you were out this week with a, a little injury. So what, what kind of goals have you set? You know, is it like, I remember talking to Odell Beckham and he was like, I'm going to be rookie of the year. And, like, that was his goal. And sure enough, he accomplished it. So is that something that you have, you know, like put up there and said, I'm going to go get this or that? Most, most definitely. I think your mindset, because I want to I win the Russian title. You know, I want to I want to bring a winning program back to Jacksonville, which I know I can't do it, and just win. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day your personal records are going to take care of itself, you know, as long as I take out a little thing and win. Leonard, one thing we do with every guest that comes on our show is we run them through the gauntlet, five questions we ask everyone. Uh, number one, what is your favorite beer if you have one? Nah, I don't drink. Oh, That's all right. You're, I think you're our first <laughs> guest actually who said that. So you gotta that gotta, is. gotta keep the body right. Uh, this one, I definitely know you. Yeah, got to. I know you're gonna answer to this one. What's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? My, uh, uh, I mean, I had I had a lot, man. Especially Under Armour, who was making me a lot of my own clicks and all, a lot of custom things on us. So I say Under Armour. All right. What number three? What's one game that none of your friends can beat you at? Whether it's Madden, FIFA, Madden. Okay. And FIFA, the Camp Man basketball and baseball. Oh. <laughs> so is there a game that you're not good at? That might be a better question. Oh, uh, man, I'm, I'm good at anything I do, man. <laughs> uh, well, that's it looks like that way so far. Yeah. All right. So on a deserted island, who's your dream person to be stranded with? Man, I, mm, that's hard, man. I, I'm never going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one, number five. We ask every guest and tally this up. On a hot dog, do you put ketchup or mustard on your hot dog? Mm, ketchup, not hot sauce. There we go. Nice. All right. <laughs> Man, thank you for your time. We know you're busy. Uh, we appreciate it. And, hey, good luck the rest of the way. Um, you're having a, a tremendous year, and, and hopefully it's the start of a great career for you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, you've made it through a pretty long show, pretty fun show. We took you around the league. We fixed the New York Giants. We talked to Leonard Fournette. And now we get to hear from our favorite person to talk to every week, our intern, Kennedy. Who's also one of the best volleyball players in the country. People forget, <laughs> people forget that. They do forget yeah. that. So are you still yeah. undefeated? We need an update. Correct. Still undefeated. We're 10-0. and 0, And I'm still leading the nation in assists. So it's been a good weekend. Humble brag. Brag a little. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you, sound like, you sound like Matt early on talking about his driver and sitting first class. 
I no. flew I flew economy last week. Just to let everyone know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, in first class. You're an economy. No big deal. No, Not on the right. same flight. No, <laughs> that would be that would be so bad. You know, I did that to Dan last year. We were coming home from the Senior Bowl, and I, I just you know, you know the deal. And oh anyway, no, I don't even get mad about it. Listen, you fly enough where even if you weren't booking first class, you're going to get upgraded to it anyway. So yeah, you so earned it. He sat in the back with like some like college track team, and they were like talking like. There's like a Bleacher Report guy up at first class. Yeah, what are you doing like, back? You what so are you much. doing back here? All right, well, Kennedy, it looks like we got <laughs> a lot of good questions this week. So, what's up first? Okay, on iTunes, taken. Please pick another. Ask when making a big board. How much of it is your own opinion, and how much of it is what you hear from scouts and what they expect Ooh, to happen? That's a great question. Just a great question. I tried to answer this on Twitter, but they won't give me the 280 characters. Whatever. That's so, so weird. You'd think you would do. need it. I don't have right. it either, but I don't want it. So I don't want it. a mock draft, and I, I stole this from Daniel Jeremiah uh, at NFL Network, who's one of our good friends. A mock draft is what I hear. Rankings are what I see. Now, if I hear from a team that, hey, this guy has injury issues or character issues, that will affect his ranking. But other than those situations, my rankings are what I see. So I, I tweeted this. A great example of that was Michael Thomas, the receiver at Ohio State, in the 2016 draft. I had him as the top receiver and in the middle of the first round, even though I knew he was going to go in the second round. Like, I had heard that. Every team I talked to said, he's a second-round player at best, man. Like, he's, he's going to go round two. But I just – I liked the player, so I kept him in the first round. Yeah, that's it's a really good way of putting it because, for me, I didn't really get into having sources, especially on character and injury, until about, I guess, two years ago. And, you know, me and Matt worked together, so that definitely helps. So before that, for me, it was entirely on tape. And I will tell you, I was so much more wrong because you just never know yeah. with injury and who doesn't love football and who doesn't care. And I'm still wrong, you know, but, yeah, but yeah. It, the miss rate definitely goes down so much when you have scouts that are going in and getting such valuable info. And now Matt is on the road a lot. We've been on the road together to go see players and you talk to people at the games. So that definitely, it's just what I'm trying to say is it's a perfect blend of things. There's always going to be players that we value way more than NFL scouts and front offices because when you, you know, the character and injury is off the board and you're just looking at tape, you're going to look for things and like certain things more and have more belief in the player. Yeah, I, so what I always tell people is it's my rankings are how much information can I get about this player? Because I want everything possible. So you know, but if you know, if a, if I have a scout or GM say, you know, hey, we think Sam Darnold is the first pick in the draft. If I don't think he is, I'm not going to say it just because I'm hearing that he will be. Yeah, and it, it and it just it sounds like Sam Darnold still might be the first pick, right? But you've gone on the record to say Saquon Barkley is the best player in the class. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly. a perfect way to put it, to show you how different it can be. Yep, exactly. That's a good point. Okay, this second question is my favorite because I don't think a lot of people have been talking about him as much as they should. Tyler Warden on Twitter asked, what do we think of Khalil Tate? Oh, he's amazing. As a college quarterback. That's exactly. And also, he's a sophomore. Yeah, so I've only seen like the, I mean, I've seen his highlights and I've caught a little like watching Arizona play other teams, like especially when they played UCLA and Colorado, I watched. And he, I watched the Colorado game because I wanted to see Isaiah Oliver, their corner that we really like. And he rushed for over 300 yards against them. And it's just, he has to be one of the fastest players in college football. 
A hundred percent. And you know what he reminds me of right now? And he can grow into way more than this. But as a very young player right now, he reminds me similar to um, USF's Quentin Flowers. Ooh, that's a good A one. guy yeah. that throws, you know, he's a little bigger, but a guy that throws, you know, at most 15 times a game, usually less, and just will run all over you, play after play yeah. after play. So when you're looking for in NFL projection right now, there isn't one yet. We haven't. No. We just don't really know. But in terms of how exciting he is and how fast he is, it's incredible. Yeah, it, there's. He reminds me a little of a like a early Denard Robinson, but bigger. You know, where it's just like I'm gonna drop back just so you have to rush me, and then I'm gonna take off and outrun everyone on your team. So he's incredibly exciting. I'm glad someone asked that because he is. I mean, just in terms of if you're just a college football fan, not thinking about how he projects forward, he is, I mean, he, he's probably a Heisman candidate, I would think, at this point. If Arizona was better, yeah, he'd be a Heisman candidate. And he was a backup, which is the craziest part. To right, that he didn't play last year hardly. That's crazy. Okay, Ed Elfman asked, if Bridgewater isn't the same QB he was before, should the dra- Vikings draft a quarterback or roll with Bradford. I think Matt's face says it all. He he's ready for he's ready for the Teddy return. But oh, if he's man. not the same, the Vikings are kind of are too good to be picking a quarterback unless they are like, hey, let's go with Baker. But yeah. um, that would be which, which I sign off on. <laughs> and uh, judging by Matt's reaction, I think he does too. I don't think you can just sit here and convince yourself Sam Bradford's ever going to be fully healthy. No, yeah, we've talked about it so often lately. The guys who are continually hurt you just you can never trust them fully and with Bradford that seems to be the case especially with that knee when it's something like that that's recurring I would worry about it I think you have to draft a quarterback this year regardless maybe not early but middle rounds come around they need to invest in a quarterback because like Case Keenum is like doing okay and he's a good backup but he's not someone that you can build around long term as a he's going to be our three or four year starter and if Teddy's not back you know that I think that is a situation where someone like Luke Falk in the you know middle rounds of the draft would be a nice pickup because he could be a spot starter and maybe with a great running back and down with Cook and a good defense he could become a little bit more. Okay, this question goes back to our first question about you know you guys making a big forward. Who is a top talented player that you thought was going to be a bust but you had to put them at the top because you expected them to go there? I mean, I I know mine off the top in recent years. For me, it was Trey Waynes. Um, I didn't put him at the top because I was so convinced that he wasn't a top player. But he was the top corner for so many different people. He went 11th overall. He ran a blazing, I think, 4-3-1-40 and just blew up boards. I had a third-round grade on him before that. He ran that 40 time. I didn't move the grade because I was so sure that he wasn't a first-round corner. And I probably had him higher on my big board than I still should have. I, I can't exactly remember his exact spot. I don't. I didn't have him in the top 30. But I just remember saying, I don't see it. And everyone's like, he's going first round. Then it became he's going top 15. Then he went 11th overall, and he's been exactly who we thought he would be. Yeah, mine would be Robert Kimdichie, uh, who I kept hearing, hey, he'll go first round. He'll go first round. And he, he eventually did go late first round of the Arizona Cardinals. But the stuff I had heard off the field, I was so afraid to touch him, and and I was even at the time still pretty good friends with his agent, and it was just and obviously he told me not anymore at the time. <laughs> um, Interesting, just because like you know, it, and it was really that that kind of undid it for me. It was because this guy's just pushing a player that I don't believe in, and and you know, unfortunately, it, it hurt some feelings that I wouldn't 
you know, pump up a guy I didn't believe in. And and I don't I know he made a couple plays yesterday, but I, I think so far, you know, he's not he's not been the guy everyone expected to be and not to go off on a tangent, but that's a great example of why we have to completely forget where a guy was ranked in recruiting websites when it comes time for the draft. Oh my god. It does yes. not matter if you were a five star player four years ago when you were eighteen. Yeah, that's a really good one. And you it like it's cool if you go from being a five star player to being a top pick. You know, that's awesome. We love to see that. But that doesn't matter anymore. Like where you were, you know, rated coming out of high school does not matter to us three or four years later. Just because you're a five star doesn't mean you're going to the NFL. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Or that you'll play Olympic volleyball. Either way. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Jake from State Farm asks, does Seaman look like a long-term option for the Broncos with a strong defense, or do they sign another quarterback? I'm not going to say long-term option. No, I- I've never been term. a big Simeon fan, but like no. he feels very Case Keenum to me, where I'm not saying they're the same player, but you get the same type of production, yeah. where it's like he can win you games. But... I think a lot of people thought he could, like, oh, he'll be Kirk Cousins. But here's my yes. thing. If he had been a third-round pick, we would all be shitting on Trevor Simeon. Because he was a seventh-round pick, everyone's like, oh, like he's playing pretty good for a seventh-round pick. But he's a below-the-line starting quarterback. Like He's he's you know below that Mendoza line. of, And we saw that uh, this past week, that when they can't run the ball, he has to throw, and that's not who he is at all. So I would be interested to see if they can get anything out of Chad Kelly because on talent and tools, he is special. But he's a knucklehead. Hopefully, the year away from football helped. But swag, Kelly. I think they have to be in the market for a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. Something that should tell you a lot of how they feel about Simeon too is that they took Paxton Lynch in the first round. Yeah. Now that is not looking good at all. Right. I mean, that's looking. I know he's hurt too, but geez. But even when he's healthy, there's just nothing to sit there and say. Yes, he's making the right jumps. So the Broncos are in an interesting scenario because. Maybe it's just taking longer than you'd hope with Paxton Lynch, and you do get something out of him down the line. Like Matt said, you have a lotto ticket in terms of talent with Chad Kelly. But right now, they do not, in my eyes, they do not have their long-term quarterback of the future. But they are also on the outside looking in of having a chance to get that guy in this year's class where they might have to roll with one of these guys for another year. Monty Crisco asked, could David Sills rise to the number one wide receiver prospect? This is Kyler's boy. I, I really like him. I don't think he'll be the top receiver in this class, but when I started to say a couple of weeks ago that I really like what I see, it's because we didn't even act like he existed over <laughs> summer, and now he's legitimately probably in the top ten receivers of this class. He's in a yeah. system where he's allowed to flourish, but it doesn't don't take away from him. I mean, he's caught what fifteen touchdowns, which is far and away wow. the best in college football. It's not even close. I think he he's got uses his size. He's a, so well. he's big. He's athletic. I think for how long he's been playing wide receiver, his route running is really advanced. Yeah, I lo- and it also you know give Will Greer some credit. Greer has played very good since going to West Virginia. It seems like he's matured a lot. But Sills, I mean, you're looking for a red zone target. Uh, I mean, he's he's looking great. I love the transition he's made to wide receiver. Yeah, I do too. And I think sometimes you see guys like this who, I mean, if people don't remember, he was the guy that Lane Kiffin offered as a quarterback to USC when he was like 15 or 14 years old. And I know you've talked about him on the show. He bounced around, tried to play quarterback, didn't work out. Crazy life. Yeah, goes back to West Virginia, commits to being a receiver. He's 6'4", 205, and he has been a great red zone weapon. So I'm excited. Um, he's just a junior, right? But he's a little older, so he might 
he might be one of those guys that graduates and is able to go to the Senior Bowl or just declares early as an underclassman. But you know, saying that he would be a top ten wide receiver, I, I don't think that's far off. It'll be fun to see they play Texas this year, right? It'll be fun to see him against you know like Holton Hill and Chris Boyd and those guys. I, I hate to do this, and I'm not comparing them, but he looks so much like Chad Hansen from Cal oh, last year yeah. in pads, and they've both had insane production. It feels like so. You know, Sills is going to be a guy that we just we have to keep an eye on because every week his stock stock keeps going up. Okay, last question of the day, guys, from Marcelo Rodriguez: If the 49ers don't land Kirk Cousins, what other free agent trades fit that style? Yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier. You know, like if Teddy Bridgewater became available, he would be someone that I would be interested in. You would love that. I would love that. That's, I would. that's worlds colliding. Yeah. He's he's smiling so big have, right now. I would have a Bridgewater jersey on the wall. <laughs> that'd be a nice, so that'd be fast. a pretty be nice jersey too. I'm looking. Number five is the backup. Uh, the punter has it. You could get number Goodbye. five. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah you Sorry, get that. Bradley Pinion. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. You're out of here. Uh, listen, the Niners probably are going to be bad enough this year to pick a quarterback. Yeah. So you have options. If the if I was a fan of a bad football team right now, I would want to be and I had to pick one, it would be the Niners because I'm telling you, I think they can turn this thing around in 2 years and people are going to be like, "Damn, the Niners are back." They just have it all planned yeah. out and if Niners fans are patient, it's going to work out cuz they have the right guys there to do it. So they can get their quarterback this year if they don't get Kirk Cousins, they could probably draft one. Like Matt said, maybe you go after a guy like Teddy. And you, the Niners are one of the landing spots that can roll the dice on Teddy and his health because if it doesn't work out, you can just get a guy next year because right. you have assets and ways to move around it. Someone that would be interesting would be Andy Dalton if he becomes available because I think he's very similar to Kirk Cousins. And I could see, you know, I, I could see Kyle liking that, liking someone who it just fits his system. Like, I, I've tried to tell people, and I, I'm sure that Sims has talked about this on the Sims and Lefko podcast, that Kyle doesn't care about traits. He cares about football IQ and work ethic. C.J. Beathard, third round pick. Yeah, that should tell you everything. He does you know. not care yeah. if you have a strong arm. He does not care if you can run. Like he just cares how hard you're going to work and if you can process his scheme. So I could see someone like Andy Dalton be a really good fit for him. And C.J. Beathard is not the long term option. No, uh, <laughs> he might not be the long term backup option, but we'll give him some time. That was a really that was a wild pick. But got wow, a lot of good draft on draft stuff this week. Of course, Kennedy. Getting all your questions. If you if we're not seeing your question, please tag Kennedy on Twitter. Yes. So you know that helps a lot. Obviously, keep leaving them in iTunes. Leave in iTunes yeah. who you. We'll actually do a vote this week. Leave in iTunes who you want us to fix next. We won't decide right now. Yeah, we'll read the that. iTunes reviews. We've had a lot of different requests. People want the Colts. I'm, yeah. I mean, you might. That's have to, a big one. That is a big one. You might have to wait a little bit, but um. It might be nice to get away from constantly looking for a quarterback in the fix-it segment. Right? You're not going to trade Andrew <laughs> yeah, 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 Luck? Yeah. No, I think I'm going to stray away from that. So please, leave in iTunes what, quarter, what team you want us to fix. We will tally up the votes, and we will definitely do that one next week. Awesome. Uh, I, I think that's our show. So thanks, yeah, Kennedy, for hanging out. And yeah. just a reminder, if you're not an Apple user, that's cool. You don't have to listen to the show on iTunes. The Bleacher Report app is free, and you can listen to the podcast right in the app, and you can actually like close it and just go do other shit. Like You can be on Tinder swiping away and yeah. listening to the podcast at the same time it's if you want. It's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, I've seen Connor do this. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I've peeked over the shoulder and tried to swipe the phone and the whole thing. So It's fantastic. And all you have to do is subscribe to the NFL Draft channel 
and it's, right. it's in there every single week. It's in a lot of different channels, but the one it will never not be in is the NFL Draft Channel. So yep. subscribe to that. Get the Bleacher Report app. Play it right away. But if you like to, keep downloading it on iTunes, too. We do appreciate that. Yeah, definitely do. Any way that we can get more listens so that we can tell our bosses this is working and we need to do more than one show a week. More episodes. More episodes. More better guests. More, yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. We will talk to you next week.